Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. All right, Alex, here we are recording on another Taco Tuesday, Tuesday, March 24th. How are you? I hope you're healthy. I'm doing all right, man. How, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, dude. Uh, just uh, been working from home for about a week now. I know I think you got a, a bigger start than I did. Um, but yeah, I've just been home for a while. Not leaving my house unless I absolutely have to. So are, are you finding ways to kind of fill your time when you're not working now? So as far as what I do, I do like a daily sports show. Um, and people are like, what the hell are you even talking about right now? There's no sports. Um, but basically we do a daily sports show and normally it's live at three o'clock, but because of working from home, um, our formula takes a lot of like internet capacity. So I've been recording, uh, from home. So my schedule has kind of changed. So I work a little earlier and I finish a little earlier than I normally do. Um, so I kind of am busy, like from when I wake up until about now, normally, and then, um, and then I cook and I've been playing a lot of call of duty, (laughs) a lot of call of duty. Yeah. That's basically what I've been doing. Just mostly video games and trying to do some reading, but, uh, yeah, I I think as long as you have some ways to kind of take your mind off of things, it makes it go by a little quicker. And that's what we're here for, because I know that people are not tuning in to hear about coronavirus and sad stories and being bored at home and people are looking for an escape. I know that audio podcast, um, I think numbers are a bit down because people aren't really driving as much as they sh- yeah. as they are as they normally are. Um, I think a lot of people are turning to video and turning to like streaming services, but we're still going to be here every Tuesday. Me and Alex, um, we we will be here every Tuesday. Like I said, Taco Tuesday is going to continue for as till they tell us not to do it anymore. Um, which who knows what can happen. Obviously, um, in regards to basketball news, since I'm sure no one's talked about this yet, uh, we could just bring it up real quick and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about. Uh, the Tokyo Olympics have been postponed until 2021. And I know we didn't talk about this before, but it just popped in my head. Obviously, Alex, that's going to have a lot of implications on basketball players, because now if you're looking at team USA in 2021, you're looking at a healthy Kevin Durant. You're looking at a healthy Clay Thompson. You're looking at an, a year older LeBron James. So I think as far as basketball reasons go, that could have a, some implications um, postponing it a year. Yeah, I mean, besides like the obvious health benefits of just not putting those people in, in those environments. Uh, yeah, like just getting that extra year can get those guys healthy and obviously improve Team USA's chances. And uh, even for like the regular season, like I, I know we're all bummed that there is no basketball right now, but some, some teams are going to get healthy during this time. Some teams are going to get their legs back underneath them. Like LeBron's going to get extra time to, to kind of get some rest in. And I, I'm curious to see when basketball does come back, how it looks and if guys look any different or sloppy or just in better shape. So that's just something I'm kind of keeping an eye on through all this. Yeah. And then Greg Popovich committed to coming back to 2021 and coaching that team as well. I always like when Lakers get to be coached by Pop. I think he's hands down the best coach in the NBA. And anytime the Lakers get to learn from him, and you would assume that there's going to be a Laker or two on there. So I always think it's a positive. I always try and bring it back to the Lakers. But yeah, man, it's going to, I think it's obviously with the NBA being postponed and it's probably going to be postponed for a while. 
if it comes back. We talked about that last year or last week, why it would suck if it doesn't come back. Um, I think it's it's going to be a lot of effort to bring back the NBA this year. I think I think Jared Dudley has been very very active on Twitter. He's been talking about how we're going to need at least four weeks to ramp up. Yeah. We're going to need so it's going to be a while before we see any real basketball. But today's news, as far as uh, Tuesday goes, it's the Olympics are postponed. Twenty twenty one. Um, is the next date. So that's the next time you'll see Team USA. But for us this week, we are going to talk about, and this was your idea, Alex, and I love the idea, our top obscure Lakers. So what that means, or maybe you can explain what your thought was. Yeah, so yeah, I, I am a big wrestling fan. And um, in wrestling, there are a lot of times, like you have your star wrestlers and the kind of the main event guys, but there's always like the undercard there's always like these random wrestlers that you kind of gravitate to because either they have a cool costume or they have a cool entrance music or just something about them that you kind of like more than others like. And the Lakers, you know, they have a ton of star players in their history, but they also have kind of these random bench guys or just yeah. kind of role players that that are, are become fan favorites or just you like. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of list off some of those guys through the years that we kind of became fans of. Yeah, so I, I kind of took the approach of just guys that I liked sure. growing up or remembering or just for whatever reason, not even that I liked. Just I actually have one guy who's made piss people off, but I just think that it's it's guys that are memorable as Lakers, even though they weren't necessarily Kobe, Shaq, Pal Gasol, Andrew Bynum, you know, like big name guys that were with Lakers. There's so many mm-hmm. players that had either fundamental success like they added so much like via a bench roll or guys that came in and just absolutely wrecked the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> so I think to me it's memorable. So I'm going to, I'm kind of taking a different approach as I'm going as my top, like guys that I like and memorable guys. Okay. So I'll start it off. We're going to go, we're going to give you five guys each five guys. That sounds so good right now. Five guys. Sounds it so does. Good. Yeah. That sounds really good. Uh, my first guy that I wrote down, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I wrote down Carl Malone. Okay. Carl Malone was a Laker for a year. Uh, they made it to the finals. They lost to the Pistons, unless I'm remembering everything incorrectly. No, you're right. Uh, that was the year that Gary Payne was there, yes. and I think they got hurt and like didn't play in the finals or something. Carl Malone uh, got hurt, yeah. You're right. But I wrote down Carl Malone because he was so memorable for one year. He was here for one year, and what and it's funny because I went back and I read the story from 2004 of December. And Rob Palinka is quoted in it so much on ESPN because I forgot, you know, like that was Kobe's agent. But Rob was so open about what went down between Carmelo Malone and Vanessa Bryant. I was like, oh, my God, like how this is like the, one of the most memorable storylines from that year. And it was completely, in, completely inappropriate of Carmelo Malone. To the point where, like, him and Kobe, like, I just didn't... I always thought they just hated each other. No, like, they were really good friends. Like, him, Kobe, Vanessa, Carl Malone's wife, Kay, and Carl. Like, they would all hang out all the time. And then for whatever reason, Carl just got really creepy with Vanessa and made inappropriate, like, I don't know, advancements or just, like, things. And, dude, this story just blew my mind when I read it again. So I was like, I have to write down Carl Malone. I have to. Yeah, Carmelo is definitely not the uh, the greatest person for sure. Like he's got some checkered history for sure. But um, 
as like as a player, like I thought he was actually pretty good that year. Like he was definitely on the older side in terms of the guys they brought on, like with GP and like that that superstar team they had. But um, a lot of, a lot of a lot of fans kind of point to his injury as a reason they lost to the Pistons. Like I'm not sure if that would have made a difference or not. But uh, yeah, I thought he was actually pretty underrated that year. I thought he he actually fit pretty well. Yeah, I mean, and it's like I write them down not to like make a joke about the situation or anything like sure. that. I just really think it's such a memorable storyline when you think about the end of that Lakers dynasty. Like it just ended so abruptly because they were so bad after that. And you know, you they had Shaq, Kobe, Gary Payton, Karl Malone on one team, and it came to a like a, a grinding halt in the finals. And I just think it's such an incredible story. Like if that happened now in the days of social media. And their agent came out and said every single detail. Like Rob Palenka literally said every detail of what happened with like word for word. And it's just like, wow, what an incredible thing. Like Carl Malone played what, 20 years in the NBA? 18 seasons? Yeah. And one of the years was with the Lakers. And that's like the one thing that I'm going to remember. Obviously, I'll remember that they lost in the finals, but that was crazy. Oh, for sure. So that's yeah. my number five, and I know it's out of nowhere, um, <laughs> but my list will get better, I promise. Uh, no, my list is, I think, even more random. So if we're gonna, so I, I think I took a different approach. I took like a, just those random Lakers that, um, like Malone, were only there for maybe one or two years, or just however long. But they they were okay, and they they kind of served a purpose. And um, so my guy, I picked Chris Mim. I don't know if you remember. Chris oh, Mim. Chris Mim. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually came over um, with the trade for Boston, where the Lakers sent uh, Rick Fox and Gary Payton to Boston for, I think it was Chucky Atkins, Chris Mim, I think Jumaine Jones, I think was the third guy. And um, I think Chris Mim gets a lot of like shit for like, obviously he's not Shaq. He's not uh, Kareem. He doesn't, he was at that star center that the team was used to, but. I thought for like that first and second season, he was pretty good. Like in terms of just like an average center, I think he averaged like double digit points that first year, and um, like he was fine. And I, I thought, like for what he was, he was okay. And I thought he was a like an average, like just stopgap until the next All Star guy came on. And I think that was Powell or whoever it was. But um, like yeah, I, I thought Chris Mim was a very just decent Laker and I, I remember kind of liking him when, when he was on the team. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, the roster of the 2005, 2006 season, the Lakers actually finished 45 and 37 and Chrisman was the third center on the team behind Kwame Brown, Andrew Bynum. And he still averaged 10 points a game. Yeah, there you so, go. yeah. I mean, I remember Chrisman. I don't remember like liking those particular years, uh, after the dynasty, because you know your expectations mm-hmm. when you win three in a row, your expectations are so sky high. And when you have Shaq and Kobe and, and other great players on the team, you kind of get spoiled. So then when your roster turns into, you know, guys like I don't, I'm trying to think like Brian Cook, sure. Devin Devin George, just throwing names that I could remember. Oh, remember Medvedenko, Slava, like, yeah, Sl- yeah. So like it's uh, it, it's it's hard to it's it's kind of interesting that you bring that first that one up because that one's one of the guys that i totally just forgot about oh i I have a whole list of those types of guys (laughs) oh all right yeah but no that's a i I don't remember the lakers even making the playoffs with chris man but i guess they did i mean they were pretty good for a while so um i I, my memory like i'm so in the moment sometimes dude 
like Chris Mim when they when they did uh I'm looking at it now they've won 65 games with Chris Mim on the roster so <laughs> like that's crazy like I have no recollection of that whatsoever but awesome Chris Mim number five for you okay like I said you my my list will get better okay but it's gonna start weird number four was Dennis Rodman Dennis Rodman wow okay Dennis Rodman was a Laker for 23 games. He hated playing with Kobe and Shaq, Mm -hmm. like hated playing with them because all they did was fight at that time. Uh, He came there because Shaq wanted him there and Phil Jackson was his coach. But do you remember that he went to Vegas and like just disappeared for like four games? Like there was like stories written that it was him and Jerry Buss and Jerry Buss because Dennis was hating his time in L.A., Mm -hmm. Dennis uh, Jerry Buss gave him two hundred thousand dollars. This is all reported. I don't know how accurate it is, but these were all stories. And Dennis Rodman just went to Caesar's Palace and just stayed in Vegas and didn't even show up to the team. He was only getting fined one hundred dollars a day, and he was a Laker for twenty three games, and then they let him go. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have the greatest recollection of, of Dennis Rodman's time with the Lakers, but I I remember the picture, you know. Just like those stills of his hair dyed bl- like blonde, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to like like a documentary on that one day of just like his time there with the Lakers and just those stories that come out. But so he just disappeared in Vegas and they couldn't find him. Is that the deal? Yeah, so they knew where he was, um, and it was a, like the team let him go, and even Shaq was like, "No, he's just like letting out his frustration." <laughs> oh, okay. And they're like, the Lakers are just kind of making him try and feel at home because he was literally hating his time with the Lakers. But I remember just the, just thinking about Dennis Rodman and how great he was for the Bulls and how excited I was that he was a Laker. And I know he was at the end of his career, but I just think like for memory, for my, I mean, I'm a little older than you, so maybe that's why like it stands out. But I just remember those like, what is going on with Dennis Rodman? <laughs> and I, I guess you could say that about his whole career. That, yeah, could, be, that could be his autobiography. What is going on with Dennis Rodman? <laughs> But for me, that's number four. And I promise the ne- my next three will be a little bit more recognizable. All right. I mean, uh, again, I think we took different approaches here. <laughs> like you have some two, like two Hall of Fame type players. But um, so my next guy is Chris Kamen. I don't know if you yeah, remember. Yeah, of okay. course. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I picked Kamen because I thought um, he had maybe one of the most memorable images like in Lakers history when... It was against Cleveland, and I believe a few guys either fouled out or were injured, and the Lakers had to play basically with no bench. So there's that famous picture of Chris Kamen having to lay on the entire bench, and he's just kind of staring up in the ceiling. And I thought it was just a perfect kind of representation of those those tanking years for the Lakers. And Kamen was actually really solid that season. And I remember um, at the trade deadline, uh, I think the Lakers actually had a few offers um, a few teams were calling them for Cayman, and I think the Lakers ended up keeping him for the rest of the season. I thought, and everybody was just like dumbstruck; like they couldn't realize they they couldn't figure out why the Lakers didn't trade him. You know, he was expiring contract. We get some type of draft piece for him, and but for whatever reason, he was there. And I thought, um, just that image alone, and <laughs> I thought that was just a perfect kind of summary and recap of those years for sure. Yeah, I love that you that we took two different approaches because like <laughs> I just googled that picture and it's it's I remember it clearly. Like it was just like what is going on with the Lakers? It was such a it's like crazy how when you have these highs of Lakers winning, I think they went to three straight finals and won two of them, and then boom, yeah. you got Chris Kamen and you're and you're obviously the memes of their starting lineups became a thing. 
And Kobe starts getting hurt. Palgasol leaves. It was a. Uh, it's crazy how like just the waves of success that the Lakers have had. They've had a ton of success. Mm-hmm. And I think that overshadows how bad they have been sometimes. No, for sure. And I think that's why I kind of picked these guys because uh, like the Lakers are were really good this year, and it kind of we are spoiled as Lakers fans how good this team has been throughout their history. And for some reason, those rough years I always kind of find like funny and just amusing it's like some of the players they had and um yeah I mean when they're bad they're really bad this team so I thought that was a great uh representation of that for sure so obviously like you said I took a different approach and these guys names are recognizable but as far as being a Laker I feel like they were so obscure Mm -hmm. or just lasted so short um and this next one for me number three for me Glenn Rice yeah I loved having Glenn Rice for that one year he was so good. He had a career best in the playoffs when they won uh, the championship. He averaged 12.5 points, 41% from three. I don't know. I just remember like Glenn Rice growing up, and he was a Heat, and then he was a Hornet. And he, you know, he's ha- he had a great, great career before he even showed up to the Lakers. And obviously, they win a championship, his only one with the Lakers. I just remember loving Glenn Rice. I don't really have a specific reason. Maybe it was just the shooting ability or the fact that he was an all-star coming into the Lakers. Um, And I know he's a big name and, and he had a great long career. He did play for like 15 years, something Mm -hmm. like that. But the one year with the Lakers, I feel like he was very instrumental in their playoff run. And I loved having him as a Laker. Yeah. I was a big Glenn Rice fan too. I thought like, again, like really consistent scorer and a good shooter. And I just like, I don't know why the, the the moment you mentioned Glenn Rice, I think the first thing that pops up in my head is like those video games, those basketball video games in that in that era. I just remember Glenn Glenn, Glenn Rice was just so good in those games. Like to, if you use Glenn Rice, you're gonna put up twenty. Like he just had. I, I just I think that speaks perfectly about the type of player he was. Like he was just that type of scorer, and he was just a solid player for the team. And like you said, I didn't realize until I just brought up his page right now how long he played in the NBA for, and. um yeah, I, I, I really like Glenn Rice, and he's one of those guys who doesn't get talked about enough, I think, in terms of like their role in the NBA. Yeah, you just kind of just forget about him, right? Like, you, you, like there's so many – I think that's the thing that we're going to realize here in this podcast is there's so much like fluctuation and turnover on a roster, even on a championship roster. Yeah. You like The bench guys just are continuously like a turnstile, and Glenn Rice was an instrumental piece in that first championship, and it was uh, – I just have nothing but I, – I think they ended up falling out, him and Phil Jackson, and I think that's why he left to the Knicks. Um, but it was it was a solid, solid – well, I guess he was here for two years. But really, the, the championship year was was the one year that I, that I remember very fondly of Glenn Rice. So he's my number three top obscure Laker. Cool. So for my number three, I, I picked Earl Clark. And uh, I picked Earl Clark because he came on – when it was the Dwight Nash Kobe season, their very first season, I believe, and the pal, you know, pal was on there also, and they got off to a really bad start. Steve Nash broke his leg, I think, in the very first or second game of the season, and it, it just that whole this is going to be fun magazine cover it just turned into a big nightmare, <laughs> and I think maybe it was like around like twenty games in, Earl Clark um, got a start or something, and he he was amazing. And there was like a 10 or 15 game stretch there where he was in the starting lineup and he looked like a really good, solid 
starter and like they just happened to get him on the team for nothing and I, I kind of will always remember remember Earl Clark for kind of helping turn that season around and that's when Kobe you know would go off and really just carry that team to the playoffs before getting hurt and just it all went downhill from there but I thought Earl Clark was a bright spot for the team so you know the the starting lineup meme that's made a thing about the Lakers it's that's obviously everyone's seen that um, I got a text message from my buddy who's a big-time Laker fan the other day, mm-hmm. and it's one of those, you have $20 to start a, a uh, to make a starting five. Yeah. You've seen those things? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a Laker edition, so you have $20 to create a Lakers team, and it was kind of depressing <laughs> uh, because it's a joke, right? So $5. These are the $5. I'll just list you all these players because it's really hilarious, and they might be on your list later. <laughs> they probably so, will be. Uh, a $5 player was Xavier Henry. Yes. Andrew Gaudelock. Yep. Jordan Hill. Okay. Kendall Marshall. And Earl Clark was a five dollar player. I mean, should that's... I just should I read through the four, three, and two dollar one? I mean, I feel like that was a starting lineup at one point for the yeah, team. It might have been. Yeah. It might have been. Okay. Uh four dollar four dollar player was Darius Morris, Tariq Black, mm-hmm. Wesley Johnson, Josh McRoberts. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. And Chris Kamen, who you mentioned yeah. already. A three dollar player. Ryan Kelly, Jabari Brown, Roy Hibbert, <laughs> okay. R- Ronnie Price, and Chris Duhon. Wow. Uh, $2 players, Robert Sacre, Smush Parker, Timothy Mozgov, Troy Murphy, who I do not remember at all, uh, and Marcelo Huertas. And your $1 players, Luol Dang, Kwame Brown, Jason Capono, Carlos Boozer, and Corey Brewer. Corey Corey Brew is a one dollar player. Oh come on, like yeah. he's not that bad. I went. I my starting five here was uh, Kendall Marshall, uh, Wesley Johnson. I put Chris Duhon. I don't know why. Luol Dang and Jordan Hill. Yikes. Yeah, pretty brutal. But uh, man, Earl Clark. I have no recollection of Earl Clark. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I really. I looked him up and I was like, yeah, I remember him being on the team, but I don't have a single memory of Earl Clark. He, he was I just remember him solely for that season and I, again that season was really bad like I think I don't, I don't remember being more excited for a season than that season, than that year with the Dwight Nash Kobe Powell and that 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 squad I thought I just couldn't wait for that season to start and it just it just went downhill so quickly and Earl Clark was just kind of this bright spot where he just kind of picked them up a little bit and I'm always going to be a little grateful for him for that for that year, just making it a little more entertaining. Hey, they did make the playoffs that year. They did, and they lost Crazy. to the Spurs. That's when yeah. everybody got hurt. Like, yeah, is that the one where like Andrew Bynum got like two texts for like pushing somebody? No, no, no. That was that, that was against uh, Dallas, I think. Okay. This was yeah. the year where it was just Dwight. It was the year uh, Goudlock had to start a playoff game against the Spurs. Oh because, boy! Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I. That's a. That's a that's a year right there, but yep. it's crazy when you look at it, man. He's like Kobe, Powell, Dwight, Steve Nash. What could have been Jody Meeks? Oh boy, he's probably on your list. And, uh, I, uh, he's on. <laughs> yeah, he is on the list. But I'm gonna go with someone else. <laughs> All right, uh, my number two, and I don't know if this is obscure, but it was so long ago that it's probably obscure to a lot of listeners, and maybe you, uh, Nick Van Axel, Nick the Quick. Uh, he had the impossible job of coming in. And being the point guard of the Lakers after the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> and he was a Laker for five years. And they made the playoffs four of his five years. They didn't make it his rookie year. 
And him and Eddie Jones, I just remember that backcourt being like, you know what? Like, they're not that bad. Like, they're not going to win. They're, they're fun. It's, it's the Jordan years. But, you know, like, obviously you come off the showtime and they didn't have this, like, tank a palooza like the Lakers have been mm-hmm. for the last seven years. Like, after their championships, like, they were good. It was Nick Van Axel. It was Eddie Jones. It was Eldon Campbell, Cedric Sabalos, Like, it was the post-Showtime Lakers who had an impossible job of matching that success. And I just thought Nick Van Axel, I actually met him. I went to one of his autograph signings at a mall. I took a picture with him. I don't know where it's at. But I, as a child, I remember loving Nick Van Axel, loving the number nine, loving that he was lefty. Yeah. I remember uh, um, just, just watching on KCAL games back in the day. And uh, Chick Hearn was just loving Nick Van Axel. So to me, uh, I love Nick Van Axel. And <laughs> I saw that he got traded to, Ven- to Denver for Tony Petit and the Ooh. draft rights to Tyron Lue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love Nick Van Axel also. And I, I think mostly because of my dad. My dad is left-handed. And uh, I think, I mean, I'm right-handed, but I think, I mean, just from experience of like my dad being left-handed, he just gravitates to anyone who's left-handed, any left-handed athlete. And yeah, he was a big fan of, of those Lakers during those years. And I remember using to watch those games with him. And um, the thing about that team, like you said, it was it was right before the championship, kind of that three-peat hit. And, um, but that was a fun team. That was like a rebuilding kind of young, young fun team, but they were also good. And I thought that was like a kind of fun contrast where they're not like tanking, obviously, but they're also mm-hmm. young and they're kind of on the verge of kind of figuring things out. And that Eddie Jones, Van Exel backcourt was just a ton of fun. And um, yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of Van Exel and he's also really, really fun on Twitter now. Cause he just posts pictures of iced coffee all the time. Is he on Twitter? I didn't he know he just, was on Twitter. Yeah. I think he just discovered iced coffee last year. And uh, that's all he tweets about is him I getting am iced coffee. Officially following Nick Van Axel right now. <laughs> it was crazy too, man. Because like I, when I met Nick Van Axel, it's one of those things. Like you don't really realize how huge NBA players are. Yeah. Until you like stand next to one. And I remember Nick Van Axel always looked so short. And then I met him, and he was so tall. But he's only six one, and I'm like now taller than Nick Van Axel. And I was like, what could have been? <laughs> what could have been? But Nick Van Axel is my number two, I guess, obscure Laker. Okay, so my number two, uh, I, I wrote down a, a few guys, but I think I'm going to go with Roni Turioff. Roni Turioff. Um, I loved Roni Turioff. I, I, I think he's, like, in terms of, like, not star players, I think he's one of my favorite Lakers ever just because of the energy and mm-hmm. how contagious, like, his smile was, how much fun he had out there. And he had a great, you know, he had a that health scare. I think he had open-heart surgery. And he was just... I think in terms of kind of like those energy bigs that everybody wants nowadays, I thought he was kind of like one of those, the first ones the Lakers had and like the Mark Madsen type, the Turioff type, like he, he fit that mold perfectly. And I'm always going to remember this game. I think it was against Boston. It was like a Sunday ABC game or something. And he had just a fantastic game. I think he had like 20 and 10, just, he just like blew up that game for some reason. And I'm just always going to remember how much fun he was to watch. I is it is this a stupid comparison or maybe an accurate comparison that Ronnie Turioff is a lot like today's age Alex Caruso? Yeah, I mean fans loved just because uh, like they they I nobody ever hated Ronnie Turioff, right? No, 
And his stat line is never impressive. But he was a great teammate. He brought energy. He did good things when he was on the court. And he yeah. never got that many minutes. And, and Kobe, and he had the respect from the star player, right? Like Kobe mm-hmm. loved playing with Tyrion, and I think LeBron loves playing with Caruso. So I can definitely see that. He he definitely is that same way as Caruso, where he just gives it at all, like hundred yeah, percent. It's, it's not obviously they they're, they play completely different positions, mm-hmm. and and obviously they're different players. But I just think that that the similarities are very close when you just talk about the person. Yeah, not not necessarily the player, and yeah, I, I have nothing but good memories of Ronnie Turiaf with his like with his uh, cornrows and his yeah. smile. He always brought the energy, and he was only a Laker for three years. I thought it was a lot longer than that. It definitely felt like he spent his entire career with the Lakers. Like, it, yeah, did, he played ten years. Oh shit, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, he played a very long time. Five, six, seven. Yep, ten years. It just goes to show you, like every team wants that type of player, right? That energy guy and. Yep. He he was he knew his role. He's another one of those guys like Dudley. Like he understands his role. He understands what's asked of him. He just does it like really hard, and that's always helpful on a team. Um, my number one okay. is not that obscure, but maybe he is to some people. Ron Artest. Okay, yeah. Ron Artest is my number one, not superstar, obscure favorite Laker. Mm-hmm. I mean. I I will never forget that shot he made against the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Cause like I remember yelling like no 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 no, and then he like made it, and I was like yes yes yes, like and then he I think in the Celtics game he hit like like the dagger three. He did. He had to like big, put, yeah to put them away, and and then they won the championship, and then he decided to change his name to Meta World Peace. And how can you not love that? And then did you, I forgot he had a second stint with the Lakers. He retired and came back. Yeah, he basically was their kind of like their player development coach, but like in uniform, right? Like I think mm-hmm. he worked specifically with Julius Randle, and I think Julius would always kind of credit Reno you know, Meta for for kind of like battling with him in practice and stuff. And yeah, he was just—I mean, people forget like how far our test came, like since his Indiana days and all the Malice in the Palace stuff. And he just became this like fantastic person and like advocate for mental health and just a ton of different stuff since joining the Lakers and. He just matured like crazy. And I thought that was cool. That part of it was cool to see him kind of mature in front of our eyes. And it, it like as a player, like he had to replace Trevor Ariza, who was, you know, really solid player for the Lakers. And um, although Meta never really hit those same, you know, those same scoring totals he did with Indiana and with Houston, I thought he was, again, just a guy who was a star in his role and hit maybe one of the biggest shots ever against Boston in that game seven. Yeah. And I know, I don't know if like, it was a a self reflection of of Meta when he was you know being that superstar with Indiana. It almost like felt like he started like buying into his own hype kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the malice in the palace probably changed him, but you just kind of maybe it was Phil Jackson. I don't know. Like it just seemed to be a change in him when he got to the Lakers. And I know he was still annoying. He was kind of an asshole on the court sometimes. He's like the guy that you never wanted to guard you, and the guy that you never wanted to guard. You know, you like you never. He was almost like Lance Stevenson. Like you never yeah. really like wanted to be around him on the court, but he, having him on your team was obviously a benefit, especially for those four years that he was a Laker in the first in the first stint. And it's almost like a Robert Ory moment mm-hmm. where with the with the Celtics and the Suns for me. Um, obviously, I would have put Robert Ory on here, but I don't think he's obscure at all. I think he was a legit player um, for the Lakers. So to me, number one. Meta, Ron Artest, World Peace. 
All right, so number one, th- this was tough. I was debating between two players. How obscure is this going to be? It's not that obscure, I don't think. <laughs> I think uh, like I've, got to Goog- I've had to Google two of your players. Oh, okay. I think you know this guy, but I'm gonna. It was between. Okay, so I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Jordan Farmar. He, oh, love Jordan Farmar. Yeah, it, he he was he definitely was in the running here, but I went with Steve Blake for my number one. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, is he still playing? It feels like he's playing somewhere. I don't think he is, but he seems like a guy who's going to play like forever. Um, but I, I hated Steve Blake when he was with the Blazers. Like Laker fans like know how hard it is to win in Portland. Mm-hmm. And he just seemed to always be a guy who would kill the Lakers when they would go to Portland. Just a, a, this point guard who could shoot, and those guys always kill the Lakers. And uh, there was like a two or three season stretch where he was like a legitimate, really, really good point guard for the Lakers. And um, I, I just always liked it. a very like Caruso, just hard nosed player, plays hard, good defense, really good passer, really good shooter. And I, I just really loved watching him play. And um, yeah, I'm always going to have fond memories of Steve Blake. Again, another bright spot in those kind of non-championship years but just a really good solid player um a quick note on jordan farmar he came to my high school to he played he went to taft high taft, school yeah and they played our team and my high school is different uh it was a brand new high school so i was the oldest class every year i was uh it was some i went to a different high school my freshman year got transferred there my sophomore year and we were the oldest class every year so there was no juniors or seniors above us it was a very you know, unique situation that I had in high school. And in junior year, uh, we elevated our athletics department to varsity, even though we only had juniors and no seniors. And Farmar was a senior and Taft came to play. And it was a grown ass men coming from Taft <laughs> playing freaking 15 and 16 year olds at my high school. And I swear to God, I, they scored a hundred points. I know that. And I don't remember what we scored, but I've never seen a high school team put up a hundred and Jordan Farmar put up at least 40 oh, versus our high school. Like, he killed it. He was so good. And when he was a Laker, I was like, hey, I remember that guy. He totally fucked us up in high school. So yeah. uh, that's my little note about Farmar. And now he's working for, like, Spectrum, right? Yeah, he does, yeah, he does like, the pre- and post-game stuff for Spectrum now, which is also pretty cool to see. Yeah. Uh, as far as Steve Blake goes, um, I, I have more bad memories of Steve Blake than I do <laughs> good memories of Steve Blake. I don't know. It's just like like exactly like you. I cannot. When he was wearing yellow and pur- purple and gold, I was like, it just doesn't. It never worked for me. Okay. Because I always saw him in red and black. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it had to do with more the fact that he was there when the Lakers were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of why like I, I don't ever like hated him. You know what I mean? But. The Lakers were pretty bad when he was with the Blazers. Um, and I just remember not liking him very much. And I know he, he did some good things when he was a Laker. He was a pretty decent three-point shooter. Yeah. Um, not as great as I think they wanted him to be. Um, but, yeah, I have more bad memories of Steve Blake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fine. I, that's fine. Yeah, like I, I debated between him and Farmer. Basically the same position, same role. But I thought Steve Blake... There was just that that last year that Lakers ended up flipping him at the day, at the deadline for I think uh, Maurice Brooks and Kent Bazemore, so they got yeah. Kent Bazemore and Maurice Brooks. That's how good Steve Blake was. He netted two players in return from the Warriors, and the Warriors thought he would be kind of a key contributor on their playoff team, 
And uh, that season, he averaged like almost 10 points and 8 assists that game for the Lakers. Like, he just had a monster in terms of like role players, like terms, like season. And uh, yeah, I just another guy who kind of filled the void at that, at the, that time. Um, if we do this podcast in 10 years and we start talking about obscure Lakers and neither of us bring up Alex Caruso, we're a bunch of hypocrites because we talk him up all the time. <laughs> He's not going to be obscure in 10 years. I'm sure he'll be like a hall of famer, right? I see like, that was, as I was saying it, I was like, I hope he says, well, he's not going to be obscure. He's going to be yeah. a superstar. I wonder who are like the obscure Lakers of like, of this, of, of like this season or like the last couple seasons. I think that's kind of hard to to predict but you think kuzma could be in that or is he too much of a has there just been too many stories about him i think so yeah um how about someone like javel mcgee yeah like someone like ja- even though he's got a few rings yeah like javel or um now i'm just blinking ho- who's on the team now how about D- dwight howard the resurgence of dwight howard sure um you got danny green who had a lot of success elsewhere mm-hmm. he's kind of like my glenn rice maybe yeah, like, that could be. Had success elsewhere. Um, who is on the team right now? You, you know what's weird? Because I'm like Jared Dudley. Yeah, I'm like because I did all this research of like past Lakers. I'm stuck in that like mindset of those tanking years. I can't even think of a good Laker team now. This one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got to think about it, but it's crazy how like times change. Like, like, like I said, Earl Clark was a guy who was like a bright spot for me, but now like everybody's like who? So yeah, I don't remember Earl Clark at all. I, I mean, I remember him the player. I don't remember him as a Laker at all. And I don't know if that's just bad on me or not. But no, I'm very – um, I'm really terrible when it comes to, like, remembering dates and what years happened when. Um, so I actually had to, like, research a lot of my guys to make sure that they were Lakers. And I didn't <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> like Dennis Rodman, he played for the Lakers, right? I remember that. Yep. So, all right, man. Well – Hey, if you're out there, uh, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple. Uh, me and Alex, uh, at AlexPadilla86, that's me. Uh, do you want to p- promote uh, the throwdowns? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I have a newsletter, which I write about the Lakers uh, often for. It's called Throwdowns. You can find it at throwdowns, throwdowns.substack.com. And, uh, yeah, just Lakers and other stuff there. Yeah, make sure you go ahead and do that because right now what everybody needs is more content in their life because everybody's working from home. Uh, If you're not working from home, thank you guys uh, for the essential workers out there, the grocery stores, the medical fields. Uh, Shout out to you guys. Incredible work. Um, But Alex will be back here next Tuesday. And maybe we should do something like our top favorite Laker not named Kobe Bryant. Yeah, we could try to do that for sure. Like, not name, like, let's take out Kobe, let's take out LeBron, let's take out Magic, and maybe, I don't know, Shaq, and let's see, like, top, top five, top favorite Lakers starter, not named Kobe. Sure. Or even, like, like top five Lakers that we hated the most instead of liked the most. Something yeah. like that. I don't know. Steve, we'll figure it Steve out. Steve Blake. <laughs> Steve Blake, number one. <laughs> or we could do top five hated laker rivals oh yeah there because you, or, i yeah, like, freaking hate paul pierce and i will talk about yeah, that as long as you want i like that yeah I, we might do that <laughs> we're gonna have plenty of time to figure out options to talk about but alex stay safe out there man uh, everybody out there subscribe and also stay safe and stay home if you can alex we'll talk to you guys uh next week thank you